Well, hey there. I'm Lauren Dimmitt Waters, and I'm a New York City-based blogger and influencer who's been covering beauty, style, and lifestyle for what seems like forever. But now I'm a woman in midlife who wants to discover all of the secrets to growing younger. I'm ready to explore topics that deal with health and anti-aging, especially when it comes to beauty, fashion, wellness, and longevity. I'll find the foremost experts to unearth what's new, what works, and even what you shouldn't waste your money on. I'm on the hunt for the latest and greatest discoveries and strategies to help us all get through this journey called life with a little humor and a lot of attitude. I want to keep fighting the fight so we can all grow old ungracefully. So welcome to Beauty is a Bitch. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Beauty is a Bitch. My guest today is Madhavi Javini. She is the founder and CEO at Droplet. She is a mathematician by training with degrees from MIT and Johns Hopkins. Prior to founding and inventing Droplet, she developed drug design algorithms using protein structure prediction models based on algebraic topology and invented a class of peptide drugs that were granted the first FDA orphan disease designation for pediatric cardiomyopathy since 1994. More recently, one of the molecules she developed was used by Sandia National Labs as an experimental therapeutic for COVID-associated cardiac and pulmonology, pulmonary excuse me, damage. Her work has been featured by the American Heart Association and is published in both textbooks and journals, including Frontiers, and she has co-authored two book chapters. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me today. Excited to be here. Well, thanks for being here. I am really excited because we're talking about a topic today that seems to be all over at least the beauty world. And some there's a lot of confusion around it. I know because I'm asked a lot about it. And that is skin cycling. But before we delve into that, I wanted to ask you about your background because when I read your bio, I'm interested in how you came to be working with skincare devices. Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. Um I I worked in drug design, obviously from as you can see from my bio. And the majority mm-hmm. of diseases that I would design drugs for are diseases that impact children, so pediatric illnesses. And I was at a conference a few years ago and learned about this whole class of diseases where people in my field could design drugs all day, but we would not be able to effectively treat those patients. And it's basically these skin diseases, dermatology disorders, where the drugs just aren't able to get into the skin because your skin's evolved as a barrier function. And so... Um, you could design an effective therapeutic, but if you can't dose the patient, you have no hope of treating them. And that's what got me really interested in drug delivery systems into the skin, which is why I built Droplet. And just kind of going through that process, um, you know, we realized that the same issue exists in skincare. Like it's the same mechanism of action, right? You need those skincare actives to get into your skin to be effective. And if they're not getting in, then obviously they won't work. And that's, that's a little bit of uh, how I ended up here. Well, I've used the droplet device. So why don't you explain how it works a little bit? Because it looks like a little, uh, you, you can probably describe it better than I can. Yeah, we called an avocado at work. It um, does look it, like an avocado. Okay, got it. That works. Um, <laughs> it's this little it Yeah, it does. It's this little mm-hmm. handheld device um, that basically takes like liquids containing various skincare ingredients or for our medical applications, actual drugs. And it basically aerosolizes them into this mist that's made up of very, very tiny um, droplets or particles, and they're moving at high velocity. 
So the combination of tiny particle size plus the speed at which they're moving enables a better penetration profile into skin. And so we're actually able to deliver things that are very, very large into skin. And these are things that your skin barrier is basically designed to keep out. So things like collagen or hyaluronic acid in the skincare world, you know, we're able to get them effectively into skin where they can be biologically active. And, you know, moving into the therapeutic side, we can do things like antibiotics, um, growth factors, even genetic material. So it brings me to my next question, which I'm sure has something to do with this. Why don't a lot of skincare products work? And I'm going to guess that you're saying that they're not actually penetrating the skin, but that's right. Okay. But yeah, that's continue. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the majority of basically, if you think about a lotion, it contains a wide range of active ingredients and those have to get into your skin and they're going to get into your skin through a process called diffusion. And diffusion is not a quick process. It takes, um, it can take hours if you recall from like high school chemistry. And so even for really small molecules, things that technically can penetrate, you know, vitamin C is a great example. It's a tiny molecule. It technically can diffuse into skin, but it's not very stable. So when you put it onto your skin, it's going to be exposed to oxygen. Um, so it'll get oxidized. It's going to be exposed to UV. And so that whole process is going to degrade it. And then just for people, like you go about your day, the reality is the vast majority of those ingredients are going to get wiped or sweated away. And then if you look at a different class of molecules, so hyaluronic acid is a great example. You know, if it sits on top of your skin, it provides a little bit of a barrier function. It helps smooth things out a little, which is great. But really where you see that ingredient being magical is when it gets into your skin. And it's the same for collagen. And they're just big. They're, um, we use this unit called Daltons to describe like molecular weight. So anything over 500 Daltons generally can't diffuse into skin. And collagen is on average 100,000 Daltons. And hyaluronic acid ranges, you know, probably I think the smallest I've, I've seen is like five or 6,000 Daltons all the way to like 200,000. So those things are just, they're just not getting in when they're applied topically. So you're saying that all, a lot of the skincare that we're investing a lot of money into is just sitting on our skin and being wiped away or sweat away. Um, yeah, unfortunately, that's exactly right. Um, but for some of these ingredients, like there is some benefit, you know, when they are on top of your skin, like they're helping prevent uh, what we call transepidermal water loss. So you're losing less water in, from your skin over time. Um, there, some of them are humectants, so they help attract moisture. So it's not like there's zero benefit. But when you look at the results that people see in a clinical setting, um, you know, when things are getting injected into their face, or you even look at some of the results where, um, you know, that, that, that come from academic papers where cells are dosed with it, and they start to regenerate and so on. Those effects are not things that you can't that you can achieve without actually getting those ingredients into your skin. So what, what, if you, can you compare percentages, like what percentage is getting into the skin? I'm sure it varies, um, with regular topicals and with droplet, like how does, what's the comparison? Um, so it, to your point, exactly. It varies for something mm -hmm. very small. We probably are getting 10 to a hundred times more into skin. Okay. And then if you look at something that's larger, um, you know, that when you're going from zero to to some volume. So it's, it's, you know, it's not really a, a comparison in that case, right. it's getting nothing in versus you're getting um, a decent amount in. And then in the way that we, so, so coming from like this very like biotechnology drug background, 
we tend to think of everything in terms of dosages. So mm-hmm. we have little capsules containing different formulations. They're pre-dosed. They're just, just the way you take a vitamin, really. So you're getting the same amount into your skin every time consistently. And then we've made sure that the amount of active ingredient in there is well above the barrier that's required to get a cl- to get like clinical efficacy. And so we do that by reading like the academic literature and making sure it matches up to what people have seen in those injected trials. And then, of course, we do all of our own um, clinical studies as well with third parties. Oh, that's really cool. Okay, so let's go. Let's now go over to skin cycling. Let's do it. Because as I mentioned before, it's like making the rounds in the beauty world. But what exactly is skin cycling? If you can explain that to us. And what are the benefits? So skin cycling is basically this process where you rotate the skincare active ingredients that you expose your skin to over a period of time. And that can vary. Um, It could just be time-based. Like I'm going to do, you know, a retinol for eight weeks and I'm going to switch to a different product. Um, Or it could be seasonal. So it could be, you know, in the winter, my skin is more dry. So I'm going to use more moisturizing products. And in the summer, I need more sun protection. Um, and so on. And there's quite a few benefits to it. Um, some of them are very common sense. Like if your skin is drier versus if your skin is more oily based on the season, of course, you're going to want to use different products. And I think that's why people have gravitated towards it. But there's sort of a secondary um, mechanism happening there as well, which is when you look at active ingredients, your skin is an organ, right? So mm-hmm. it's, and it's designed once again, to keep, to keep things out. And so over a period of time, if you keep dosing your skin with the same actives for many of those ingredients, your skin just will stop responding in the same way. And um, an analogy perhaps would be with painkillers. You know, if you take painkillers over a long period of time, they just stop being effective. Your body kind of gets used to it. It's exactly the same thing with many skincare actives. And so if you are able to, you know, use an ingredient for a period of time, achieve a benefit from it and then switch to another equally potent or active ingredient and get benefit from that and, and kind of go back and forth. Your skin won't, um, won't have that sort of, um, it's called tachyphylaxis, but it won't go through that period of basically adapting to that ingredient and no longer responding to it. So basically you're like tricking your skin to, okay, well that, that makes sense. So if you don't skin cycle, then you're, you, it's losing effectiveness is what you're saying. That's right. And active ingredients. This isn't true for things like moisturizer, of course, but things, um, the things that are actually biologically active, that's very much the case. So let, like, what about, for example, can you give us example, like what you might be skin cycling, like what kinds of things I'm thinking like a retinol. Is that kind a of... great example. Okay. Yeah. Um, so a retinol is a product where you, you know, it's a vitamin A derivative. It basically increases cell turnover and it's really great for helping expose newer, fresher skin to the surface. So your skin, you know, it looks, it looks younger um, and it helps treat wrinkles. And you really should skin cycle retinol for two reasons. One is, yeah, your skin does start to, you start to need, need higher and higher doses of retinol to achieve the same effect over a period of time. Um, but the second is retinol sensitizes your skin to UV and it continues to do so the longer you use it. So um you know, it's something that really is great as a seasonal ingredient in the winter when the majority of us, you know, not speaking to the avid skiers here, but the, the majority of us aren't perhaps outdoors as much. Retinol is a great product um, because you are sensitizing your skin to UV, but you're also getting less UV exposure. And then in the summer, mm-hmm. um, you know, 
a lot of us go to the beach, you're, you're going to get a lot of sun exposure and that's probably not the best time to use, to use retinol. But then after you've maybe acquired a little bit of sun damage, you know, it's great to go back to it in the fall. So I know there are a lot of women who swear by using like a retinol every night. Right. So you're saying that that might not be the best thing to do because you're getting your skin's getting used to it. You're also in the summertime. That could be a little more dangerous if you're outside more. So that's interesting. Hmm. Now, do you think people are getting skin cycling right? Because my guess is not. Like, how does one do it properly? So I think that the two mistakes we most often see with skin cycling are people cycling through ingredients way too rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you're not going to see an effect like retinol takes six to eight weeks to really turn over skin. A cycle of skin is about, is about 28 days. Right, right, right. right. So if you're using it for a week and then you use something else, you're probably not going to see much of an impact there. Um, and it's kind of funny. We, we had, um, when we were starting Droplet, we would do all these focus groups with potential customers and um, skin cycling was actually brought to my attention by a potential customer at the time. And she said that she changes up her skincare products every three days, which is mm. probably, probably not the right, definitely not the right way to be doing it. Um, so I think that's, that's definitely one very common mistake that we see. And mm-hmm. skin cycling is really around changing it up based on the season and, and based on like these longer durations of time. Um, and then the second mistake that we most commonly see is people who are kind of using the wrong ingredient at the wrong season. Um, and that's one where, you know, it makes a lot of sense why that would happen. If you read a bunch of articles on the internet about the benefits of retinol and you're like, oh, I really need to get on that, but it's the middle of the summer, I can completely understand the impulse to do it. Um, but that's probably not the time of year where you're going to get the most benefit from it. So I think really it's a case of, matching it to the season or at least to your lifestyle and the exposure, the sun exposure you're going to have, the amount of dry air you're going to be exposed to. Um, and then also making sure that you're sticking with an ingredient long enough um, for the right amount of time. I just see that there is a huge, I could see a lot of confusion and margins of error. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm pretty well versed in this stuff and I know that it takes about four to six weeks for something to work. Right. But I also know a lot of women who use retinol in the summer because in the winter, their skin is more dry and they don't like that the retinol dries out their skin. So they like to use it in the summer. So you're saying that's like totally the wrong season to even be using it. If you're, if you go outside, which most of us do in the summer. Yeah, I think. I think sun exposure or UV exposure is probably um, the, the biggest the biggest risk factor for getting side effects from retinol. Although I certainly understand why people are concerned about using retinol in the winter when they already have dry skin. And to your point, it is a little bit of a drying ingredient. Um, there are other products that you can pair with retinol to help sort of mitigate some of those properties. Um, you know, a good moisturizer helps, making sure you stay hydrated helps and so on. And that was actually something we put a ton of thought into as well when we were designing our retinol formulation, because we, um, we actually have collagen in that particular formulation. So 
you're getting um, you're getting a little bit of that extra like plumping from it and a huge amount of moisture as well because water is is a major ingredient. So you're getting ultra hydration into your skin, and that actually helps prevent some of that redness and, and peeling. Um, our customers don't don't see that effect when they begin using our retinol products. So I think really making sure you pair any retinol with ultra hydration um, is key. Like to- a hyaluronic acid too. Hyaluronic acid is another great ingredient for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, collagen as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that's interesting. So what happens if you don't skin cycle? I mean, besides, obviously you stated you, your skin just gets used to it. Um, but what else could happen? So I think two kind of two things can happen. Um, your skin gets used to it, so it doesn't really have as much of an impact. Um, some ingredients, there is like a little bit of academic literature indicating that really long-term use can maybe thin out your skin or compromise your skin barrier. Um, a good example of a product that could compromise your skin barrier over time are acids. So if mm-hmm. you're using a heavy glycolic acid product, for example, um, and you just consistently use that and maybe maybe you start to see it being less effective and you increase the dose or frequency or, or duration of it. Um, you could see that your skin barrier begins to get compromised and maybe you start to get acne um, that you didn't have before, things like that. Um, Maybe you notice your skin's getting drier over time. So many of the really effective skincare ingredients are also things that have the ability to be harsh, especially if you have more sensitive skin. And I think that's a potential risk as well. Yeah, I can see that. I have to be careful with some of the acids. Right, Um, absolutely. And well, this, what I don't, you know, who likes the feeling of burning skin? I mean, <laughs> absolutely no one. But um, as someone who did have acne in my 20s and 30s, um, you know, once you have a product that works and clears them out, it's really tempting to just keep using it because you don't want it to come back. So right. um, I think skin cycling and thinking about it in a little bit of that disciplined way really helps avoid that potential pitfall. Now, where do you think somebody could get good information about skin cycling properly? I think your dermatologist would. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, they're the experts at the end of the day. Or if you have um, a really great esthetician whom you trust, I think that they could probably give you really individual advice. Um, you can always talk to one of our estheticians. It's totally free. And okay. they're happy to provide you with um, advice on your skin as well. That's cool. Okay. Because I, 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 I just picture people being very confused by this. What about... What about um, some of the crazy stuff you see on like TikTok and on Instagram and whatnot? I see some pretty wild things. Um, I think probably the craziest thing I've seen is the whole like using lemon juice on your face before oh, going into the sun. Oh, really? That's yeah. awful. That's really bad. Yeah, that's that's a recipe for skin rash. Yeah, I noticed during the pandemic when people were making home masks. I was like, somebody was, gave me a recipe for one with lemon in it. And I'm like, absolutely. You should not put that on your face. (laughs) Well, I think that kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier. Right. Um, and it's just because something comes from nature or is natural doesn't necessarily mean it's safe. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think it's so funny because I just had this conversation with someone that the word natural is really just it's a marketing term at this point. And I think people falsely believe that um, something natural is better for your skin, but 
also natural can be dangerous. Um, there's, I'm not going to mention the name of the company, but they have a natural skincare line and, uh, and, and organic. And they found that there was mold growing in it because it doesn't have preservatives in it. And you need preservatives. Right. I mean, I'd rather put a preservative on my face than mold. That's me, but. <laughs> no, I, I would agree. Um, and I think what's what's crazy, and I, I know my, my co-founder, Rathi, is a chemical engineer, so she has very strong opinions about this. But what's crazy is that a lot of the ingredients that people are sometimes going after in the skincare industry, and they're saying, you know, this is not a natural ingredient, therefore you shouldn't use it in skincare. They're ingredients that are used in a lot of common medication. Like um, tween is a great example. It's a, you know, it's a banned ingredient by a lot of a lot of clean beauty brands, um, but it's it's just a it's an emulsifier and it's used in eye drops. It's used in um, food products, right? So people are okay using it in their eyes. They're okay ingesting it, but the perception is it's not good on your skin. That that feels a little strange. Yeah, I think I think we've gone a little nutty on that. Definitely, I think for sure. So anybody listening, not all. <laughs> chemicals and man-made things are bad. Natural isn't always better. I mean, at least in skincare, <laughs> right? I agree. Um, so if, if let's say you're getting an in-office procedure done, how does skin cycling work into that scenario? Well, I think dermatologists um, or estheticians, whoever's doing your procedure will often kind of incorporate some elements of skin cycling into the skincare regimen they give you. So a really good example for that would be for patients who have melasma, who go in for laser treatments, um, you know, a lot of dermatologists will recommend a course maybe four weeks before of using a product like, um, you know, a prescription product like hydroquinone or um, something with trinexamic acid or arbutin. Um, and the idea there is you're kind of prepping your skin for that yeah. process. Um, so you're helping depigment a little bit. and then when you have that laser exposure, you're not going to get reactive hyperpigmentation. So I think that what you see, if you actually, you know, they don't call it skin cycling, but if you really look at what they recommend, you definitely see elements of skin cycling. And I think there, it's not that every ingredient needs to be skin cycled. I mean, melasma is a really good example. Um, if you have something like hydroquinone, you can't use that long-term. That's really meant to be a short-term product. Um, and it's actually very dangerous to use long-term, which is, which is definitely where you should skin cycle. But for other active ingredients, um, like arbutin, for example, or tranexamic acid, which are fairly gentle on the skin and are really mild, uh, depigmenters, those are things that, that you can be using, um, you know, for, for very long periods of time, you, you don't necessarily need to cycle those. So maybe like another sort of general rule of thumb for skin cycling is it's great if it's it's ideal to cycle ingredients that could compromise your skin barrier um, or could thin your skin over time. And for things that are that tend to be a little bit around moisturizing or helping with, with glow or, or evening out your skin tone, those are not things you necessarily need to cycle. Okay. So the harsher the ingredient basically is what you're saying. Yeah. The more you should skin cycle. So I just, I'm just curious. The, I just keep going back to retinol because I know they're are women that are like, you cannot pry this out of my hands, you know, like, right. Once they're like, I just don't see them letting go of that anytime soon. Um, so how does one start skin cycling? Like how, how would you work it into your existing routine? 
So if you are um, a retinol user, for example, you probably began using it through um, a buildup period, like you used a very, you know, very little or use it every other day. And then as your skin adjusted, you began to use it regularly as the same dosage every day, for example. Um, you could taper off. So you're not just kind of quitting it immediately. Um, and that might be a little bit less, uh, your skin may react a little bit less if you do it that way. So that would be um, probably um, my, my like, on a, you know, minimally informed recommendation because I don't okay. know individual skin types. Um, and then you would probably begin using a different active ingredient. Um, maybe you'd spend a little, and it depends on what your skin journey has looked like so far. So maybe, um, you know, a product to exfoliate your skin. Zeo peels are a really good example of people using retinol and glycolic together. So if you want to do, do a little bit of a detox, that's like one way to do it. Um, you could also uh, just really focus on your skin barrier for a period of time and use products that are ultra moisturizing and ultra hydrating uh, for that period. And of course, make sure you use a lot of sunscreen and kind of give your skin some time to adjust and then you know taper back onto the retinol after that period of time. Um, there have been there's kind of mixed reports about really long term retinol usage. There's some indicating that it's great um, and your skin looks younger in the long term, like a decade later. And I think that that's absolutely true with consistent retinol usage. Um, but then there are also some academic papers and, you know, these sample sizes are small. They're not massive longitudinal studies um, where they do indicate that it can thin out your skin barrier over a period of time. Mm -hmm. So I think based on that, like probably with the data we have right now, the best thing to do is to use retinol. Um, you know, it's, it's the most commonly recommended dermatologist ingredient, but then to also make sure you give your skin a little bit of a break so you don't get skin thinning over a period of time. Um, let's go back to something. You've brought it up a few times. I've written about it, but what is skin barrier? Your skin barrier is basically, um, the scientific term is your stratum corneum. And it's basically this layer that sits on top of your epidermis. And it's made primarily of dead skin cells, um, dead keratinocytes. And what it does is it prevents things from getting into your skin. And that's actually really, really important because if your skin barrier is compromised, things like bacteria can get in, um, you know, which, which will give you acne or in some cases a really serious infection. Mm -hmm. And another way to think about it is patients who have eczema or psoriasis, um, you know, that's a case where their skin barrier is heavily compromised. And so the best way to take care of your skin barrier is. Um, one, don't overly use harsh chemicals, um, you know, and don't do anything that will burn your skin. And then also to make sure that you moisturize it properly. Ultra hydration is really good for helping strengthen your skin barrier. And that's when you notice uh, a lot of people talk about slugging and putting Vaseline or an aquaphor on top of their skincare routine to kind of seal it in. Right. right. So, yeah. okay. Um, this brings up another point. If you, if you don't mind, what are some ingredients that you should not be used together? Like when we talk about a retinol, if you're using a retinol at night, you shouldn't be using what else at night. And then like in the morning, cause I know like I use vitamin C in the morning, right? Uh, what shouldn't I be using with that? You know what I mean? Like what things don't go together and could cause more damage. So I think 
a good way to think about it is two harsh ingredients that kind of serve the same function. So retinol is going to increase skin turnover, which will have an impact on your skin barrier. And then, um, and then acids will as well, right? So acids are exfoliators and they're also going to potentially cause some damage to your skin barrier. So in the short term, you can use those and they're very effective as a detox or um, a chemical peel, like the Zeo peel, which is a very common peel, uses those two ingredients together. And it's designed to, to cause a little bit of damage in the short term to your skin barrier with the idea being that, you know, it'll heal and you'll give yourself time to, to recover it. Um, and there are at-home products as well that combine the two. And they're very effective, once again, for, for fairly short-term use, just a few weeks at a time. But um, you don't want to use them if you have sensitive skin. You don't want to use them if you have a damaged skin barrier. And you don't want to use them forever. You, you want to use them to achieve a certain result and then maintain that result through moisturizing products. So how do you know that your, your skin barrier has been damaged? Um, there's a few indicators for that. One is it can be visible, like you can see peeling, redness, and flaking. That's a very good visible indicator for it. Your skin could feel really dry and tight, even if it's not so visible. Um, and that's also a fairly good indicator. And then of course, you might be getting acne out of nowhere. Um, if you've had pretty smooth skin for a long period of time, and then all of a sudden you're getting a breakout um, and, and you know you've been using relatively harsh products before or even over exfoliating, that's an indicator that your barrier might be damaged. Interesting. Okay. I, th- I think this has been very educational. Uh, that's it for my questions. Is there anything else you would like to add? That's about it. I, I <laughs> you having me here. I feel like we've covered a fair bit of ground. I know. It kind of <laughs> went quickly. I'm like, okay, I think we got this. So tell us a little bit more about Droplet before we wrap it up, how people can get it. And, you know, I, I know I've used the collagen formula um, and there's a lip, there's a lip one too. That's right. Describe that one. Sure. We have a lip plumping product. Um, so basically you buy droplet, it's this little handheld avocado shaped device, right. and then you pair it with um, different capsules and the capsules have different ingredients. And as I mentioned before, they are kind of pre-dosed. So you're getting the mm-hmm. same amount into your skin every time. And we have products that range from, um, you know, collagen um, retinol, we have a glycolic acid product. We have regimens, which are a little bit more prescriptive where you can index on a skin concern. And then we do have a lip product, which is our newest product that we launched. And it's kind of our first foray into something a little bit more cosmetic. And the idea there is you can plump your lips using hyaluronic acid and collagen in these little capsules. And the device, um, actually has an app it's on iOS and Android. And it lets you do a couple things. It lets you um, talk to some of our estheticians and, you know, whether or not you're a droplet customer, you can talk to them and ask them questions. You can text them. And then you can also, um, it's a little bit like a remote control for your device. So mm-hmm. your device comes to you in a default mode to deliver into your whole face. Um, or you can put it into very uh, specific modes for treatments. So we have one for acne or blemishes. We have one for um lip plumping. And what it does is it lets you basically deliver that into your lips at a higher voltage. So it's a little bit stronger delivery. It it doesn't hurt. It's totally painless. Um, And you should see your lips plump. And that lasts for about four to six hours, um, depending on how much of it you use. And it's really meant to be like sort of cosmetic product for a night out. And what's kind of cool is, you know, you're getting collagen and hyaluronic acid into your lips. And 
if you use it consistently for a couple of weeks, and we've seen that in our in our studies, um, your lips will be a little bit plumper, um, more than a little bit plumper by the end of it, um, relative to how they were at the beginning. Oh, that's well, that's impressive. I mean, people want plumper lips, but don't necessarily want to go get injectables. So that's a good option. Yeah, it's meant to sort of democratize that process where you can just do it at home. Um, obviously, it's much more cost effective. And you can kind of see if you like it. Um, and right. Or you may not stuck. It. Right, right. Yeah. And the idea actually was um, for lip plumping came from one of our like 25 year old marketing team members who was like, can you do lip plumping? And it hadn't occurred to any of us. And um, we're like, yeah, we, we actually can. Would anyone buy it? And she was like, yes, people will absolutely buy it. <laughs> when did you launch that? We launched it in October of last year. Okay, okay. great. I, I have it. I have to admit, I haven't used it yet, but I'm going to. I, awesome. I'm a little afraid. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm always afraid to do anything with my lips that God forbid, like, I just don't want to. I don't let anyone touch my lips, but I will try it. <laughs> totally. I will here. try if it. If they do get too plump, it'll be gone and it'll be gone by the next day. Well, that's so it's not permanent no. or even short-term permanent. Right, right. Okay. That's great. Okay. And I will leave uh, a link in the show notes to Droplet. And um, I really appreciate you being here. This has been really interesting. I hope everybody understands skin cycling uh, a bit better. And um I think we're going to just wrap it up. Is that okay? You good? Absolutely, yeah. All right. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out a lot. I have a new pro-aging podcast bi-weekly, so please contact Lauren at fountainof30.com for sponsorship opportunities. Take care, everybody. And remember, skin cycle. Don't just keep using the same products over and over again if you want them to be effective. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.